1: Good evening and welcome to From the Median, where we are concerned with the middle ground, not just to understand both sides of an argument, but also to awaken the consciences of those who are neutral or indifferent to this, the greatest civil rights movement of all times, the pro-life movement. Listeners, as always, wonderful to have you with me. Thank you so much for joining me. And I have with me a brand new guest who is very, very, I'm just thrilled because I've just discovered that we have some connections that I had no clue we had. But before we get there, let me first introduce you. Teresa Farnan is a fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center focusing on the challenges of gender ideology as part of the EPPC's Person and Identity Projects. She recently, Wrote an article in the Catholic Register, the Catholic Sunday Visitor, rather, and somebody sent it to me actually via email, and I thought, my goodness! I started to read this, and I didn't even finish it, and said. I have to get Teresa on the program because as you all know, we in Ohio and in Michigan and all over the place, we're fighting such a battle on this gender ideology front. It is just, it, it's like we're living in a, an alternate universe here. But before we get there, first let me say, Teresa, it's so wonderful to have you on the program. Thank
2: you. I'm so delighted to be with you today.
1: And to know that we have these connections. My goodness. It's just wonderful. Your, your, your wonderful dad, Dr. Charlie Rice, as I was explaining to you and, and the listeners, those have been with me from the beginning. I've even, I had him on the program a couple of times and we had such great discussions and he helped us so much at Cleveland Right to Life at the beginning when we were we were breaking molds and starting new things. And and Charlie was just there with us. And it was just, it's so wonderful to know that you're his daughter. My goodness. Oh, (laughs)
2: I'll tell you what, it's always a great day when I meet someone who knew my father. Honestly, I just... I, uh, you know, I feel close to him all the time, but that makes it—it it really is special. I feel like he's, you know, yeah, absolutely. Certainly would be very proud of the work you've done, and would be shaking his head at where the culture has gone. I but know. he predicted all of it.
1: He so. did. He did. And that's the thing. And it's so wonderful to see. You know, I see. You know, everybody. And I, it's funny. I was lying in bed last night, Teresa, and I was thinking about this and thinking, you know, every single. We need to recognize this. Every single moment counts, even when you're just relaxing and doing that. Every moment counts. Make it count. Make it count. Make yes. you know. So, and you and your family really have done that for the world. So, thank you so much for all you do. But okay, let's get back to what we were. You you wrote an article in in the uh, for the Sunday Visitors. It's called "Our World Has Lost the Catholic Understanding of Human Anthropology." Wow. Your, your article is literally profound, folks. I will put it up on the website from the org, and you can read it for yourself. But we're going to talk to Teresa and, 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 ask her some questions. Firstly, number one, I want to know, you start off with, with, um, talking about the United States Catholic Conference of Bishops and how they have made a very, very strong statement on the whole trans ideology. Uh, and I, I would like you to just go over what is what was the document that they put out and what was the strong statement that they've made?
2: Sure. In um, March of this year, 2023, the USCCB Doctrinal commis- Committee after much study, now I happen to know they've been studying this for well over a year. They brought in a, a, a team of experts, people who are experts in theology and anthropology. They're constantly consulting physicians and um, psychiatrists and and you know anyone who's whose work touches in this field. and the question that they had before them was, Given that the United States is going full steam ahead with, um, transgender treatments, right? So, so what's called gender affirming care, that's very euphemistic because there's nothing caring about it. And it truly doesn't affirm the person. It's an endeavor to change the secondary sex characteristics of a child or a young adult in order to enable them to present externally as the opposite sex. And as I outline in my article, and believe me, I actually soft-pedaled it because when you look into the details, it's so disturbing. These are treatments that are horribly destructive of the human body and leave these young people suffering lifelong effects. It doesn't mean they can't recover. You know, I want to be clear, if any of your listeners have teenagers or young adults who've gone down that road, who've gone on to cross-sex hormones or embarked on puberty blockers or maybe even had a double mastectomy, we see people detransitioning and learning how to live with their bodies. And part of their reconciliation has to be accepting the fact that they were vulnerable and the medical system pushed them into a destructive solution that wasn't a solution, a destructive course of care rather than something that would help them solve their problems. So faced with that, faced with the fact that the the U.S. healthcare model is going full steam ahead on this destructive surgery, the, the church actually studied it and said, well, what does this actually do to people and can this be justified using the principles of Catholic medical ethics. And I'm so proud of our bishops because they have taken a very courageous stand. They have said, looking at it in, in, in all different ways, they said, this cannot be ethically justified because these treatments sacrifice future fertility and the present health of the body in pursuit of something that can never be achieved, namely trying to override the order and financial of the human body. In other words, God creates you male or female. And in the attempt to erase or destroy your embodiment as male or female, what gender affirming care as it's known is actually doing is it's destroying the body mm-hmm. and leaving you with these lasting side effects. And so and and then the other argument you know that the medical community will fire right back with is that this is necessary to prevent suicide. But there's not only is there no evidence of that. They had to retract a, a much touted 2019 study in 2020 it was quietly retracted because physicians physicians pushed back and said The studies you cite in this article don't actually say what you said they said. And so there's no evidence that it reduces suicidality or the utilization of mental health resources, but actually a study of children treated... Through the Tricare system, which is our military healthcare system, which is a little bit more standardized and tracks kids going from one base to another base, so there's a little bit more continuity of care. They actually found that gender affirming care led to greater utilization of psychotropic drugs. In other words, you leave these young people who are vulnerable to begin with in a situation where their mental health is deteriorating because you're pursuing something that's impossible. Mm-hmm. So the point of the article is that the the Christian understanding of anthropology that is, you know, first and foremost outlined magnificently by the Catholic Church, but really that every Christian church should be on board with because these are fundamental Christian principles. This understanding of the human person accords with reason and accords with science. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to disregard reason and science, and if you're going to disregard it, especially as explained in the beautiful and positive, you know, really truly affirming way the church explains it, you're going to do so at the peril of the very pre- people you, you claim to help. Mm. And so, in the article, the goal was to, to tell people, hey, you know, there's a lot of, there, there's a smokescreen being thrown up by our culture, a lot of gaslighting, really, exactly. because they're presenting an alternative view of reality. And what's really going on is this is not helping the young people and we have to, so it puts a burden on all of us just as pro-lifers have been the courageous people reminding our culture of the humanity of the unborn child and we've come so far in the years since Roe v. Wade we have to be similarly courageous and you can do it in a very loving way Mm -hmm. you can you can Mm -hmm. say to this suffering young person or to their family like Hey, these treatments, I've heard. These treatments can be really destructive. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a better way?
1: Exactly. Exactly. You, you point. I have a I have a part of your article sort of high, highlighted, and I've written beside it "profound." You say missing from the from most critiques, however, is an examination of the nature of the human person, the anthropology, implying that that anthropology doesn't matter. On the contrary, the church has always understood that anthropology is crucial. A culture mm-hmm. that doesn't understand what it means. To be a human person inevitably treats actual people in dehumanizing and harmful ways Wow
2: it's you can look throughout history to find example after example, and in the compendium of social doctrine the um, the, the Catholic Church says that the way you evaluate a culture is to look at their anthropology, mm-hmm. a correct anthropology. Is a means of, of evaluating and verifying that your culture is going to be one that's going to guard the the human rights of persons. It's very
1: disturbing, though, uh, uh, Teresa, because what I'm what I'm seeing though is is the fact that you know you see you you now see even in the military, even in the United States military, they are they are um, sort of highlighting and promoting people with transgender problems. It it does. That's what that why that statement hit me so much because it 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 ends up inevitably treating people in a dehumanizing and harmful way. If you've got a military, you know, the military with those kinds of issues within their leadership,
2: we've got a problem. Sure, it's culture. It's cultural. It's it's throughout the culture, and I think what you see in our culture is that. Um, the military in some sense is because of the families that it, it because it self-selects, right? So yeah. it draws from people who tend to have, um, you know, uh, values where they value patriotism. A lot of times they're coming from families that are pushing the idea of self-sacrifice and responsibility and everything else. And so it's been regarded as the last bastion of traditional American values. And I think from from the Clinton presidency on, there's been this understanding that, that you know, the true bellwether of whether or not the culture is changed is to change the military. Mm -hmm. If you can change the military you can be sure that the, that our culture has been changed from top to bottom mm-hmm. and that's why you see this kind of push Absolutely. but but again one of the things and i didn't even go through this that much in the article but even if you're not from a theological background the damage that this is doing to women's rights exactly. and to women's privacy and safety is incalculable like imagine women you know suppose you're a woman who is on a submarine you've got limited birthing quarters for women and suddenly the military Insists that a male soldier who identifies as transgender is going to share your space. Mm-hmm
1: and it, it doesn't even have to have had any of the treatments he doesn't even have to dress up like a woman he just has to say I identify as mary
2: he example. just has to he yeah, yeah. just has to say it's yeah. all self identification but that's what, how it is throughout the country and that's that's what most people don't realize yeah. but even in schools you know in 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 public schools and sports and locker room participation in every step of the way all a, a male student has to do is just to assert this self-identification, and he has the right to access anything that was traditionally reserved for women. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. This is going after specifically. I, I really do feel religions. I mean, you know, the Chris, particularly Christianity, who has a very strong, beautiful, beautiful theology around around the human being, the human body, the human condition. I mean, just beautiful. It is totally under, undermining and destroying that. You say that in, in your article, say it is critical to examine the deceptive anthropology underlying gender ideology. And then you go on to say it's, it's you know, particularly the Christian, I mean, we're, we're totally, the bishops have come under attack, uh, Christian doc, Catholic doctors who refuse to do this kind of thing. They're all getting, they're getting doxed and unbelievable. What? Is that deceptive anthropology underlying gender ideology?
2: Yeah, it's the, it really is the, the outgrowth of, um, uh, postmodern way of looking at the person, which identifies person with cognition and now with their desires. So in other words, you, the person, you are the sum total of your thoughts and your desires. And we see this in the pro-life movement, right? This is why um, a person, uh, you know, a, a patient with Alzheimer's at the end of their life, the medical community will often say to the family, well, they're not really there. It's time to, to let them go because they're not there, right? What's mm-hmm. the, the underlying? Assumption. Well, that's not really a person because we don't see them expressing personhood because we don't see cognition and desires. We see this. I have a little one with Down syndrome. We see this with the way the intellectually disabled are being treated, both with the the elimination of the um, of children with Down syndrome or any other. Mm Profound disability in utero, right? Because we're told, what kind of quality of life will this child be? They'll be a vegetable. They use these dehumanizing, again, that dehumanizing, depersonalizing language, right? Yeah, absolutely. so with this, what we're seeing is we're seeing this way of looking at the person, which focuses primarily on this idea that you have the ability to create yourself according to your own cognition, your own thoughts, and your own primarily your own desires. So that if you want to be a girl, if you're a biological male, but you want to be a girl and you think you are a girl then therefore you are a girl your desires your thoughts now define reality regardless of the body the only way that works is to separate the person so you you embrace this dualist view of the person and you separate the person into a body which is insignificant meaningless and is basically a shell to house the person and then this the i don't even want to say the soul just the desires the mind you know the the you know that 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 expression of cognition and desiring that now in modern culture has come to define the person. And so what they're telling our children is they're telling them that your gender identity, your perception of yourself as male or female actually defines reality and your body then is this raw material that can be manipulated surgically and medically to be brought into alignment with your desires. That is a profound shift because before, if you think about the way disorders like anorexia were treated, you have a young person who has a profoundly disordered understanding of who they are, right? So Their thoughts and their desires, they desire to be thin, they think they're fat. The reality is they're in a body that already is struggling to exist because they've been depriving it of nutrients, right? They're starving themselves and their body reflects that, right? And so imagine if with anorexics, if young people who are anorexic, we said to them, no, your thoughts and desires are right, let's schedule you for liposuction.
1: Exactly. Oh, what a good analogy. Wow. And that's
2: what we're doing that's with these exactly young people. That's exactly
1: what we're doing. That's exactly and, what we're doing.
2: And, and in fact, some of these young people, the comorbid Mental health conditions are off the charts for these young people. They are so vulnerable and str- so str- and struggling so much. And honestly, after COVID and with the collapse of the family, we see so many young people struggling with anxiety, depression, self-image. You know, understanding who they are. The most two thirds of Gen Z doesn't even go to church more than once a year, if mm-hmm. that. Right. Mm-hmm. So yearly or never is the Gen Z statistic for for going to to um to for for any kind Kind of religious practice. And we know that religion is protective of depression and protects Absolutely. you against depression and anxiety. So you take these young people who are struggling and then tell them this is the way to heal your pain. And there's actually one detransitioner who describes coming out of surgery, right? So she had anorexia. She, so she had, she had body dysmorphia. She had borderline personality disorder. So she struggled to understand who she was. She had anxiety and depression. When she came out of surgery, her first question was to find out how much weight she lost.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: Because she had had her breasts removed. Oh, She Teresa. was so excited. Yes, see, this is the kind of thing. Like we, we have an imperative. All of us need to be able to speak up in, in, a, in a loving way right? Absolutely. if somebody raises this you can say that's really harmful yeah. that's harmful that yeah. that that is harmful and destructive that's not going to help somebody they need care but that's not the kind of care they need
1: it, you know and and we are being bullied we really are being bullied to, to be silent you know we, we're fighting this huge battle in Ohio with regards to the um, uh, constitutional amendment that that has been placed on 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 the ballot for on the uh Yes, it's actually on the ballot in November, but right now it's we're doing we're trying to you know do some damage control. But um you know the whole whole idea is that they've actually they've actually introduced the the ability of a child to go behind to remove any kind of parental guidance on things like abortion and 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 transitioning.
2: Yes, it, it is so dangerous. It's so damaging. And the people who are involved in this. So, so in Ohio, for example, the director of the gender clinic, I believe it was at Cincinnati Children's Hospital several years ago, was involved in a lawsuit where um, there was a court custody battle over a young, young woman who had been struggling with depression, never had any transgender ideation until her parents worried that she was suicidal, had her hospitalized for depression. Well, within 48 hours, I believe, if my memory serves me well, she, she turned around and they were told that their daughter was a son and they needed to affirm her. So in the midst, so it turned into this long, long drawn out, drawn out court battle. And the, the upshot was the custody ended up being awarded to the grandparents. So this child was taken away from her parents because the parents were not affirming and but in the midst of the, the, the court case, the judge at one point turned to the director of the Cincinnati Children's Gender Clinic and said, out of all the children who come to your clinic, how many are not trans, transgender? And she said, they're all transgender. And he, oh my he goodness. asked questions. You know, he questioned her a little bit about it. She was like, well, they say they're transgender, so they're transgender, right? So, so the, the point is, and we, we have the director of the gender clinic, from Chicago Lurie Children's Hospital who is on Zoom recorded saying there's no test. You can't test for this. It's all, if if he's asked, if a parent says, hey, how do I know my child is really transgender? He turns to the child and says, are you transgender? Oh, What's your goodness. gender identity? Oh, There's no goodness. science. You can't test this subjectively. So these are these are in and I revere physicians, but these are physicians who are diagnosing and then prescribing like really <laughs> radical destructive experimental off-label treatments On the the the, children, on the children, the child's identification. Oh my gosh, oh my goodness gracious. And so all it takes is a culture suggesting to a child who's in pain the answer to your solution is to say you're trans. You might be born in the wrong body, and this is what you tell people. And that's what you can find. You can go online and find these scripts.
1: Absolutely. You, you know, and you bring up a very good point in, in your article about the fact that what is also happening is, is that um, children are told that their parents' judgments about them should not be trusted, that parents may have been mistaken from, from birth about who the child is. You, I mean, what does it do to the parent-child relationship if that's what they're being taught? Goodness yes. gracious me!
2: Oh yeah, and these poor parents—they're—they're they're really struggling. And so, it—it it, one of the things that I—I I like about the approaches our bishops have taken in the pastoral letters throughout the country that we've seen being issued—is they are very careful not to judge the parents because Absolutely. these parents are they're in such a tough position oh, my because goodness, they're in fear yeah, that their child will, on the one hand, they're told they will commit suicide. And then on the other hand, they're told if they don't affirm, they will have their child taken away. That's
1: exactly right. And I, we, we talked to a number of pa- of uh, parents of transitioning children here in a, on, on my program. And it is, it is heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking because they are trying the best they can to, to, to try to protect their children. I mean, you know, I had one parent say, you know, I, If if that really is what's happening, then let's talk about it. But they won't even talk about it. You know, it's just, no, 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 this is, she said, you know, we know our child. We know who this person is. We know exactly what's going on and we need to just work with them. But the pediatricians and everybody else, no, no, no. If they say they are, that's it. They are. I mean, yes. this is so incredibly, incredibly dangerous. We've got about two minutes left. What, where do we go from here? What, what do we do? What, what does the, if we get together as a culture, what do we do?
2: Well, the, f- the first thing we do, so, so the first thing we do is recognize that we have got a generation of young people that are really hurting. So Gen Z, these kids, I, I actually love this generation. I think they're, they're very kind-hearted. They're very conscientious, but they have been dealt such a hard deal, both with the COVID shutdowns and then with everything that's happened with our culture where social supports have been just ripped away from this generation. So we've really got to redouble our efforts to build up strong families and to care for our children to prevent them from being pulled into this in the first place. And then the other thing that we need to do, number one, whenever your bishop takes a courageous stand, people stand need to reach out and thank their bishop, yeah. stand beside them. These bishops, they they have been heroes on this issue. This is like 1974 when they, the only group standing out in a visible way drawing fire on this issue was the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And that obviously there are Protestant denominations that also are, but in a unified way, our bishops have really taken a very strong stand and they deserve our gratitude and then the other thing is don't be afraid you cannot be afraid. Be willing to be canceled. So what? Would you risk social stigma to protect a child from a horrible outcome? We should all be willing to risk
1: that. Of course. Well said. Absolutely.
2: And I, you know, I echo that. We've
1: got to really stand beside our bishops right now. They've taken such a strong stand on on the constitutional amendment in Ohio. They've been phenomenal. I've just, I'm so proud of them. I just think, wow, wow, wow. I've heard Protestant pastors saying to us, they are leading the way in Ohio. So good for them. it's wonderful to have this, just to be able to talk about this. So thank you so much, Teresa. We're going to have you back on because there's so much to oh. talk about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Molly. I really
0: appreciate okay. it. God bless.
1: God bless you too. God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay, Don't go anywhere. I will be back with you right after this very short break with another world-class inspiring guest.